what we've discovered is even if you're not getting coaching, the tools in becoming coachable are life tools. And they're tools that will help you in any team or family or experience. You know, I was going to say the experience with other people, but quite frankly, just the experience with yourself. Welcome to season two of the Seismic Shift podcast. I am beyond excited today to introduce you to my two guests, Scott Osman, who's the founder and CEO of 100 Coaches Agency, and Jacqueline Lane, who's the president of 100 Coaches Agency. And what I really want to talk to you today is about their Wall Street Journal best-selling book, and I have it right here, Becoming Coachable. Welcome, Scott and Jacqueline. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, so great to be with you, Michelle. We're really excited. And the reason why we're really excited is because we go way back, right? So much of, of I'm on a mission to help leaders create positive work environments so that their people can thrive. So one of the ways that I do that is I'm an executive coach. So for all of our listeners out there, that's how I got to meet Scott and Jacqueline is we work together. And so we've been talking about for years now, these concepts of connection, relationship first, right? And, and throughout these dialogues and all these Monday meetings we've been on, they've been able to really have such great focus and clarity on what it means to partner great coaches with the world's top leaders that they really felt compelled to write a book. And that's what I want to talk to you all today. The real topic is becoming coachable. So my first question, considering this is the Seismic Shift podcast, what in either of you can answer this? And I love having both of you all on. Tell me about some of the seismic shifts that you've been seeing and witnessing, observing in your worlds. Gosh, Michelle, it's such a great question. And uh, I, I just let me just say, I, I love your podcast and I love the whole angle that you're taking on bringing these ideas to the world. They're really, they're so huge. Um, and you're right, like it's the seismic shifts have been monumental. Um, and in the last year and a half, uh, sort of our work together has been full of seismic shifts. It really has. Um, well, you know, one, I actually, you know what, the one I'm going to point out, and you'll have a couple to add mm -hmm. as well. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, the agency was doing great. We had been, we were really connecting a lot of people. It was feeling really good. Um, and as it was growing, we were starting to realize that um, we needed to be more efficient. And so we leaned into figuring out how to create more efficiency. And as we created more efficiency, um, it became more and more apparent to us that, that was not who we were, that efficiency was not on brand for us. Efficiency wasn't what we're about. Um, we are, as you mentioned before, relationship first. And that what was important to us was not doing things faster and more efficiently, but actually having thicker and deeper relationships. So we did a complete 180. We, we abandoned all of our initiatives to try to be more efficient. We, we stopped the move from like in-person meetings to you know, emails. Um, and now we have this incredibly, I would call it luxurious process, inefficiently. <laughs> uh, where we where we have at least three meetings with somebody who's looking to find a coach. And then they have another three meetings with people who are coaches. Um, and they invest the time in making sure that they're set up for success with coaching. We invest the time to make sure that they're 
properly treated and that they feel respected. And but I have to tell you, like that seismic shift has just paid dividends for us. Right. I know as you know, an engineer by training, uh, it was a major shift to say creativity beats productivity yeah. every time. And that's exactly what we've found to be true. Uh, but speaking for some of the observations mm. in our world, you know, when we're talking with all of these different leaders from different companies and organizations globally, uh, we are starting to see a major shift. And I think it's so aligned with your book, Michelle, because people are really realizing that being a conscious and human leader is very important. It's not just about command and control or uh, leveraging authority or power that really people are realizing you, you can go so much further by understanding the collective power of all of us, all of us together. And so again, that's something that we're seeing lots of leaders wanting coaching and support on. Uh, and, and I think that a younger generation is, is demanding that. Uh, and, and some of those great leaders are listening. Yeah, we, um, we wrote about that in the book. Um, so you know, in, in writing the book, uh, we really went into the book, I think, originally thinking, gee, you know, there's no, there's no book out there that helps people become ready for coaching. And, uh, you know, being surrounded by all these amazing coaches and leaders, we know that the most important factor to being successful in coaching isn't the coach. It's the person being coached. And if they're not like fully invested and ready to be coached, then even the best coach in the world is not going to be successful with them. So we, we wrote that book. Um, and after we were kind of finished with that book, we kind of sat back and thought, gee, that was, that was a big lift. <laughs> um, but we, we read it and we realized we weren't finished. Um, because uh, part three of the book, which we called To What End, um, really goes into, you know, why are we doing all of this? And certainly, you know, we're doing coaching. We're helping people find the right coaches because we believe that people can and should be better leaders. Um, but, they're, but they're better leaders not just to make more money. And not just to have more successful companies, but they're being becoming better leaders so that they can create human flourishing, which is really helping themselves, the people closest to them, the employees who work with them, and all the people affected by the company sort of rise together, borrowing, borrowing a little bit from our friend Sally Helgeson. Uh, but that's what it's all about. And, um, and I think when we first did that, we thought, well, gee, this is an afterthought. And in fact, in the book, it even says, you know, if you've read this far and this is, you got everything, you can stop reading right here. What we found now that the book is out is it's not an afterthought at all. It's actually one of the things that many, many people are gravitating towards. That was the section of the book that I didn't see coming. Is that, and is how, is that, that last section, which I thought was so cool. And I loved the forward by Mark Thompson and how he talked about Richard Branson. And, and one of the reasons why he's such a successful leader is he shows up present, engaged with his hard notebook, taking notes, asking thoughtful questions. And, and that is, to me, a simple but vivid example of what we're talking about with relationship first, right? And I love the language you use about human flourishing. And so we're all trying to do the same things as create cultures of connection. And when you talked about, Scott, because I was not aware of that seismic shift that you had gone to efficiency and then had to come back and say, what are we doing? This is not on brand. And Jacqueline had mentioned the word creativity. And I saw it, of course, because it's the lens I see the world, is you realized that you needed that connection, true, meaningful connection. You all needed it as humans. It was in line with your brand. And then the potential 
leaders who wanted these great coaches, they needed that meaningful connection rather than just an email. That's what we're seeing more is just, again, it's simple, but it's just at, at the end of the day, it's also profound is how can we meaningfully show up, intentionally show up for each other much more at a personal level to drive the results that we want. So another, another mark that comes to mind is Mark Ryder that we all work together. So Mark Ryder is Marshall Goldsmith's co-author on so many of his books, and he leads a writing workshop. And I'll never forget being in that workshop. And he said, I want you to answer two questions, which I'm going to ask you all to answer for our listeners. He said, what is the disease? So why are you writing this book? What is the disease that you're seeing? And what is your cure? And boy, does that force you to really focus on the why. So can you share with the listeners what the disease was and what the cure is? Yeah, you know, it's such a such an important question, Michelle. I think the disease, similar to what you're saying is that we're seeing, is this lack of connection. I think that really is the key piece of it, is that people don't understand that it's so much bigger than me. It's about the we. You know, it's a, a John Maxwell saying that a leader without followers is just a man taking a walk, right? We all need people. Like, and being a leader necessitates being in relationship with people. In fact, relationships are very much the building block of everything that we do in life. Relationships are in the middle of everything. Any change, any growth, any organization is made up of people. And so understanding just how interconnected we all are is essential. And I think we are starting to see some shifts in that way uh, in some in some parts of the world, you know, perhaps in Europe, they're st- they've already come to that realization in, in many ways. Uh, and getting my master's in the UK really revealed that to me that we in the US really prioritize a lot of individualism um, and, you know, very much support, you know, take care of yourself first. But I think people are realizing we belong to each other. We have to do this together. Uh, and and really coaching is one of those wonderful modalities and being open to the coaching of the, the people around you, hearing feedback from your direct reports from the people above you is one of the best ways to understand how we all impact one another, the ways that we can all go further together. Yeah. I think the other thing, um, thinking back, and interestingly enough, uh, to a lunch I had with Mark, uh, where he asked me that exact question. Um, and I realized as sort of, you know, I guess the you know the premier coaching agency, um, the the disease that that was out there is nobody really knew how to show up for coaching, <laughs> right? There was no nobody telling them. Each coach would like do their own thing, and and I thought you know that that is really a problem. Like you you're you're going to spend a lot of money on a coaching relationship, whatever a lot of money is to you, it's expensive, um, and even more expensive, you're going to invest a lot of time in it. And you should know what you're getting into and you should know how you should show up. Uh, and that's that. Uh, and the cure became the openness framework, um, which is which is kind of, you know, Marshall always likes to talk about it, like these really big ideas end up looking very simple in hindsight, but nobody said them. Um, and just this idea that, you know, you need to be open to change if you want coaching to be effective is one of the four. And of course, like if you're not open to change, don't bother to try to change because if it's not coming from within. So, um, so yeah. So how to show up to be coached uh, was the disease that uh, needed the cure. You are absolutely right. And I'll never forget the New Yorker article that followed Marshall around. 
And that was in 2001. And back then, Marshall says, when he would walk through the halls, people would think, oh, Lord, who did something wrong? It was more viewed as kind of rehab, right? He worked with a lot of jerk bosses. And thankfully, that is no longer the case. It's one of the most rapidly growing um, segments in the industry is coaching. And so many people are realizing it's not just the tennis star that needs coaching. It's not just the athletes. It's the high-performing leaders, right? And so that leads me to my next couple of questions is you go into the book in great detail of there's a high correlation between somebody who is open to being coached and then that person's success as a leader. Could So could you walk us through the listeners who are listening now? What sort of attributes right, make somebody uncoachable as opposed to the attributes that make somebody coachable? One of the key challenges is to a leader being coached is this idea that either I don't need to get better I, I know what I'm doing and look how far it's gotten me. That's one of the main challenges we see. Um, or just this, this, I don't, I don't need to change. You know, I, I've got this. Um, and I think it takes a real humility. There's two things in particular that it really takes. And I think humility and confidence, and those might seem like opposites in a lot of ways, but really there are two sides of the same coin. It says, I'm open to making a change. I recognize that I don't have the answers. And fortunately, I have amazing people around me who do. Mm. And I have the confidence that says, I can make a change. I can actually take steps forward, do something differently, and it is going to have a positive impact. So I lived that experience um, where I, um, I thought I had all the answers or I had all the answers, depending on your point of view. And, uh, and Jacqueline pointed out that not only did I not have all the answers, I didn't have to. Um, and as I sort of leaned into that more and more, um, I realized that no matter how much you think you know, um, by letting go of the whole idea that you know everything, creates it, it removes all those barriers that you have about which become limits, right? Like whatever you think you know, you're blocking out all of that other incredible knowledge from the people around you. Um, and by removing that limitation, you just create a much bigger envelope for your working space. Uh, and that is probably, I, I think, one of the most in, incredible insights in the book. Um, and it permeates, you know, open to change and open to feedback. Everything really follows from there. Yeah. One thing that we really hope for is for people to be open to the idea of flourishing. Mm. You know, and that's one of the frameworks that we laid out in the book. Um, what does it mean to all flourish as an organization? Uh, to create that in our own lives and the lives of everyone around us. And if you can be, if you can come to coaching, maybe it's okay to be a little skeptical. You know, I know we all have work traumas, but if you can come just a little bit open to that idea, I think coaching is a really wonderful modality and going to open up so many new doors for people. So as you referenced before, and Sally actually is going to be next on our podcast, um, Rising Together, is, is Marshall talks about the coaching process that, one of the ways to be successful is including the people around you, your stakeholders, like support me. Thank you. I hear you. Give me feedback, checking in with them. So could you share with us like what that model looks like so that listeners know it's not just you and the coach just working together. Like you need to create a true community. Yeah. We talk to leaders about this a lot. Um, you know, as Jacqueline mentioned before, leaders without followers, 
like aren't leaders. I mean, simply put. So um, the job, the job of a leader is, is a very unnatural job. We were just talking to someone today about this. You go through your life um, trying to be successful and leaders are successful. That's how they become leaders. You know, they get the gold star, they get the A, they're, you know, whatever, whatever it is that is successful. And then they get to the position of leadership. And when they hit the position of leadership, the whole role of being a leader is to have the people around you be successful and create space for that success and support their success. And quite frankly, allow them to take the bows. And now you're no longer in the center and you're no longer getting all of those accolades for being, you know, this high achiever. Uh, and and I think it is really unnatural. It's a very hard jump to make. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. I was just working with Morag Barrett, who I love and adore, and she and I are working on a leadership development program for the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. And we were just having the conversation today about what is the difference between leadership and management and why does it feel so lonely at the top? And, and it's, it's a whole different skill set and, and, and it's tough. And the more, again, as you're part of the coaching model or you participate in the coaching model, I just want those who are listening to recognize that, that if you, if you all do it together, the Alamalali method of all coming together once a week and saying, how can we help each other? thrive and flourish and be the very best and and not have to be perfect. Do not pretend that you're perfect. Be transparent and honest and let's support and help one another. So share with what you've learned and you interviewed and I loved hearing from Dean Miles and Alyssa Cohen. So share what are the benefits of when you are humble enough and open enough and you take on a coach because you want to flourish and you want your organization to flourish. What are the benefits of having a coach? I'll just speak for myself first and foremost and say that it's uh, it's unlocked completely new ways of thinking, overcome negative behavior and thinking patterns, uh, allowed me to step into much larger roles and, or, and rooms and um, and to hold that with with confidence. Um, you know, that that's you know, something that has a, you know, a tangible benefit to our business, but, an, you know, a huge intangible benefit to me personally. Um and it's improved all the quality of relationships in my life, my relationship with my husband, uh, my relationship with my parents. You know, that those kinds of uh, unlocks are, uh, you know, wow, so powerful. But for other people, it goes, I mean, we've seen so many things like people mm. who are stagnating in their career. Uh, suddenly something shifts or opens up for them and they make a jump, sometimes even two jumps within just six months or a year. Uh, we've seen people decide to to switch careers completely, find something that's far more fulfilling to them. Uh, yeah. We've seen people grow businesses, sell businesses, you name it. I, th I think some of my favorite stories, Michelle, are uh, stories where you hear someone goes into the coaching relationship having a set of beliefs and the coach works with them sometimes for a ridiculously short period of time. And the person said, I don't have to hold on to those beliefs. And the coach gives them permission to let them go. And it turns out that you're holding on to beliefs. The only thing that is keeping you from being some, you know, having another set of beliefs is you. And so they let go of those beliefs. They're limiting beliefs. And in a matter of weeks, like the whole scenario changes for them. And, uh, and it's, been, it's been really remarkable. Oh, I love that. I heard, I heard terminology language used 
recently that I had not heard before that we're, we're talking about the scripts in our head, the language we use for ourselves, the scripts in our head. And I've heard it called self-bullying when it's just this continual tape of negativity. And sometimes it really takes somebody else from the outside, like a coach, to help you get rid of that negative self-talk that really does limit you. And I love the language that you use, Jacqueline, of unlocking. And what's really cool is I got to be with Scott and Jacqueline at their book launch party in New York City, and I got to see and spend time with Scott's fiance, Allegra, and I got to spend time with Jacqueline's husband, Michael, and her mom, and her coach, and, and to see all all of this in one room, kind of the love and the growth. And, and I mean, I met Jacqueline when she was in, in Austin and just in this past year, the growth has been, I think at warp speed. Um, and, and to see and be able to see your coach and how he and your work together was able just to unlock this. What is it just this potential? It's just been exciting to watch. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you for being a part of that too. I mean, I remember when we first connected several years ago, there was an immediate connection between us. And you've been one of those people who's been an evergreen coach to me. So thank you for all of your encouragement and support along the way as well. Oh, my true pleasure. So as we continue thinking about seismic shifts, right, and there has been a big seismic shift in the coaching world. And I do think that it's exploding this world because people it could be a brand new leader are realizing it's okay. Like I need help. Not only need help, I want help. Not only do I want help, it's totally okay. And I want to flourish. It's almost like people are finally giving themselves permission to be the best version of themselves. And, and so that we all rise together. So could you share with us, and this might be a moment of vulnerability. What are some seismic shifts, not externally, but what are some seismic shifts that you all are working on so that you can flourish at your highest level? I mean, the big one for me is definitely learning to let go right? You know, delegating effectively, realizing that things are going to be held and having that trust, um, you know, having the confidence in my team and that they're prepared really well. That's something that I, you know, I'm always working on. You, you, when you're an individual contributor, of course, you get praised for whatever, what it is you build, you contribute. And so as you know, I grow as a leader, I have to let go of that more and more and more, learn to lead from behind uh, and, you know, some of the that's a big shift that's been going on in, in my life, in my heart, and it's making a really big difference. But it, it takes work every day. Absolutely. And that's something that I want the listeners to really think about. All of this takes work every single day. It's it's intentional. You have to embed it. You know, I just got off of a coaching call right before this podcast with this incredible leader, and he found that he is not at his best right now. And he's barely taken any vacation. He's barely disconnected. And when I asked him what success looked like by the end of the year, it was all about his people. And there was nothing in that, in him, in his remarks about him putting himself first and figuring out where he can show up as the best version. And I said, nobody else, including your wife, your kids, all of the direct reports. I mean, he's over thousands of people. Nobody else is going to be able to flourish unless you put yourself first. And it's not selfish. And I think that's, that's, that's a shift, you know, for all of us, um, is how to realize that it's not selfish to put yourself first, that when you're in a leadership position, in order to get the best of your people, you got to focus on you. So Scott, what about you? What are you working on? 
Um, yeah, so I think I mentioned it before, but it's, it's really, uh, it, it started a year and a half ago when I learned that I didn't have to have all the answers, uh, even though I thought I had all the answers. And I had, you know, my career was about having answers. Um, and, and I started, you know, just creating space for other people. And the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. Uh, and, uh, you know, even, even when I think I have the right answer now, I realize that, you know, my having the right answer just doesn't contribute enough to take up space for other people's answers. And, um, and I was, sometimes I, I think, you know, I really have a better answer here and I write it down cause I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> and, uh, and I look back at the answer months later and I realize like it was just a different answer. It wasn't a right answer. Uh, it was just the answer that I came up with. And the things that we wanted to do were just as successful. Um, but the people who were doing them uh, really are empowered to, to do their thing. And the payoff from that isn't, I mean, partly it's, you know, it's good for me. I'm a little, it's a little healthier for me to be doing that. But I think the big payoff is then people are encouraged to think even bigger and broader and take some more risk. And I think the expansion that's resulted from that is a big part of why the agency is doing so well. Expansion, that's another key word, right? I love that. So when you think about the target market for becoming coachable, who is it? Well, so I think originally when we were thinking about writing the book, the target market was anybody looking for coaching, right? So people are going to invest in coaching. It's, a, it's a, Even, even uh, at the least expense, you know, people are investing their money that's expensive to them. Uh, and we really, we really respect that. We wanted to make sure that they had the tools that they needed to get the most out of coaching. What we've discovered is even if you're not getting coaching, the tools in becoming coachable are life tools. And they're tools that will help you in any team or family or experience. You know, I was going to say the experience with other people, but quite frankly, just the experience with yourself. You know, recognize that you need to be open to change, that you need to listen to feedback accepting those principles and playing them out without a coach or with a coach. Uh, I think this is a book that's really going to transform, you know, people as they lead their lives and lead other people. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'll never forget the project that we did together with Qualcomm during the pandemic. And I would fly out to San Diego to work with Don McGuire, the chief marketing officer, who's been named one of the most influential chief marketing officers in the world by Forbes. And in between the different variants of COVID, when you could actually meet in person, even with a mask, he'd say, Michelle, fly out and let's do something. And his whole goal was to disrupt, right? He's a marketing guy. We need to disrupt. We need to rethink everything. And, and I had to have long talks with him and said, I agree. And we have to connect first. You have to build these relationships first and create these cohesive teams with psychological safety and trust. And then you can blow everything up and then you can flourish and, and be a kind of at warp speed. And thankfully, he was a really good leader who listened and he was humble and he was open. And boy, did we do some amazing work with just focusing on that connection first and, and using that coaching model that you talk about and all those attributes in order to, to warp speed. And I have another example for you. While I was working with a, a company called Capado in, in Houston, 
recently, and they did a moonshot experience. And so everything had space analogies. And I actually talked about, Scott, your work when you were first figuring out with Jacqueline, was it the fifth dimension, which is all about relationships? Will you end by and talking about uh, that for the listener that your big eureka that holy because that that's very that's a great space analogy that we we've had all these different dimensions but the most important and where we are right now is a shift on relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. It was man, it was monumental for us. So um, you know, we talk about the three dimensional world is the world of transactions. Right? It's the world we all know and live in and grew up in and certainly the world of capitalism and democracy. Um, we're trying to find a way to, to represent the world of relationship, which we then went from, okay, so it's a 3D world to the 5D world. Um, but the big shift from 3D to 5D is you're no longer in a world where you're in zero sum, where I'm going to give you something and you're going to give me something back and we're going to end up equal. Uh, in the 5D world, in the relationship first world, we're doing things together. And when you're doing things together, you can create a different kind of expansive growth where everybody ends up with more. Um, and that's that principle is the principle that we've been putting into place now for about 18 months. Uh, and that has really created tremendous flourishing for us. Yeah. And we realized too, and this goes back to your earlier point, Michelle, that it also starts with our relationship with ourselves. We do have to also prioritize that relationship and understand what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And then if we are in relationship with ourselves, with our teams, with our customers, with our families, uh, you know, that is where we start to create this extremely expansive relationship first world. Mm -hmm. um, we think it's a real game yeah. changer. Has been for us. Has been for us. And, and so many of the people that we're working with and coaching, um, you know, I don't know if it's a movement yet. Um, it but is. it's not a lot of motion. I couldn't agree with you more. And what I mean, I could not have described it better, particularly when we are all seeing this. I'll never forget being on a Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches call probably two years ago. And my book had not come out yet, The Seismic Shift in Leadership, which is all about the seismic shift is, whoa, we've got to go from transaction to connection to get the results that we want. And this is a ginormous shift. And I remember because it wasn't published yet, I remember being a little self-conscious, like, oh, gosh, is it just me down here in New Orleans observing this or is this really universal? And on that particular call, on that particular day, we were going around and there was somebody from Russia and there was somebody from Africa and there was somebody from France. And then I chimed in and we all were having the same observations that this seismic shift much more towards the relationship is where we are right now. And I just got goosebumps and I said, oh, thank goodness, this is happening universally. So on that note, I can't thank you all enough for being here today and and really talking through the 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 listeners and explaining this is a shift that's going on and it does start with connection with yourself in order to be that high performing leader and i love the flourishing better i, I think i'm going to start using the high flourishing leader rather than the high performing leader because that performance performance is still kind of a little old school right results 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 performance 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 and we're trying to say hey you got to slow down first if you want to get 
get the speed results that you need. And it's got to be connection with yourself and then bring a coach into it to help you unlock those mindsets that aren't working for you and then bring your whole team along. And then all of a sudden you're connected with yourself, you're connected with your team, and then you're connected with the organization and then your warp speed. So thank you so much for being on the Seismic Shift in Leadership podcast. Thank you so much, you all. Thank you for having us. Such a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for joining us on The Seismic Shift. And before you go, can I ask one favor of you? Do you mind sharing today's episode with a leader you know? The power of this conversation is found in your using it and sharing it to create real connection in your life. Lastly, I'd like to thank Loyola University, New Orleans and the Terra Firma audio team for helping bring this content to life.